What's happening, everyone? Welcome back to Total Football Club, where we speak one universal language. My name is Alex Perez, and today we are going to recap the first round of games for Euro 2012. I was going to say 2012. We were just talking about Euro 2012. Euro 2020, that is the Euro that we are talking about. Chris Sued joining me, as always. Chris, great to see you again, my man. What have you thought about the first round of games of this Euro? Great to see you too, man. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been uh, as advertised. We've seen some amazing goals. We've seen some great individual performances, some great team performances. We've seen uh, some outstanding defense, and we've also had a crazy moment with uh, Denmark and Christian Eriksen that I don't think will ever be forgotten from anyone who was watching that day. So it's been everything we thought it would be and more. And it's a beautiful game, and sometimes. Uh, it's not so beautiful, and sometimes it reminds us of you know, you know the, why we love this game so much. So it's been everything we thought it would be. And it also puts everything in, in perspective. Great segue by you there. We're going to talk about Christian Eriksen. If you guys don't know what happened to Denmark's Christian Eriksen, we will fill you in on that what or what could have been a very tragic event this past Saturday. So Christian Eriksen, he started for Denmark against Finland in their opener in Copenhagen this past Saturday. He played pretty much the entire first half, and then during a throw-in, the ball was going to be thrown at his direction. He, he moved to make himself some space, and then he collapses out of nowhere. And usually, when you see a player collapse with no, with no contact, you think, oh, tore his ACL, uh, pulled a hamstring, or something happened. But he literally just collapsed face first. This was around the 42nd minute marker around that time, 42, 43 minutes. And maybe something that, that people didn't notice much because he fell, what, what, wasn't, what wasn't noticed was that the ball actually hit him as he was on the ground. Not that it matters, but it's just like, it's, it's kind of weird, it's kind of crazy. He's, he, he collapses, and uh, immediately the referee stops the game. Anthony Taylor, he read the situation very well, stops the game, calls for medical attention. All the players, uh, both from Denmark and from Finland, they, they huddle up and they see what's, what's going on. Obviously, it was very, very concerning, very serious. And I was watching this live. Chris, I don't know if you were watching this live. I was legitimately scared. How did you feel about about the way that that everything unfolded and how dramatic it all was? Uh, so it was it was crazy to see because you saw his face go deadpan, and he looked just uh, his eyes were glazed over. So it was very scary to see what was going on. Uh, it was also very disappointing to see what the what the broadcast was focusing on which was on his face and the faces of his family. And it was just not okay. It felt like even the people who were calling the game were saying that they should cut the studio. Um, but it was, 
it was very scary, man. It was very scary. It was very obvious that something was wrong. And I think he should be very thankful for his teammates that were there because uh, his captain, I'm not sure how to say, how to pronounce his last name. I think it, it's Simon. It's Simon. Uh, his name is Simon Kier. I practiced Simon that for Kier. like three days. He, he, <laughs> I think he's a center back at AC Milan. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He demonstrated everything what a captain should be on that day. I mean, he went over, uh, ran to the, ran to uh, Christian Eriksen as soon as it happened, turned him over so he wouldn't swallow his tongue, lifted his head so he could clear the airways and he, as he was, as so he wouldn't have a seizure. Uh, called the team over to, to to huddle over so the cameras couldn't focus in on his face more than they were, and then went over to console his family. And that's everything you you want in a player, everything you look for in a leader. I think everybody should go out and buy this guy's jersey. He's the player of the, of, the, of the tournament already without without scoring a goal or having an assist. And um, yeah, that's what that that goes to. I mean, that reminds you the the beautiful part of like this game. Like it's the humanity. It's it's being there for your brother. It's being there for the 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 Danish uh the, the medical team were using Danish flags to cover Christian Eriksen, like and that's the opposing team. It just goes to show like everybody there just cares for each other. The opposing fans are chanting his name, and it's just it's it's why we love this game. But it's a very scary moment. I don't think anybody will forget it because I'm I'm pretty sure he had a cardiac arrest, which means his heart stopped and. If it wasn't for the actions of his teammate and and the the medical team that was there and how they tended to him, we probably could have seen a death on live television, and that's yeah. something I don't think any of us will forget. No, absolutely not. And you are right, Chris. This this was a cardiac arrest that Christian Eriksen suffered. He essentially was dead for a few seconds, so they the the medical staff had to bring him back to life, and that that is an incredible trauma that. Of course, his teammates had to go through, his family had to go through, all the fans in the stadium or in their homes or at the bars watching the game. It was it was very, very traumatizing for, for everyone. I mean, I was watching the game and I, I couldn't believe it. I, I really thought that Christian Eriksen was dead. It felt like that because the faces of the players didn't say anything else. It, it didn't... It didn't give us any any positive vibes or anything that okay he's all right. It it all felt very very dramatic and and then also obviously we all understand why they covered him up. They should because that's his privacy. He was fighting for his life, but at the same time it also caused us to ask a lot of questions like oh my god he he might he I, we think he is dead. We think he is dead because we, we weren't getting any any word from from anything. But like you said, uh, going back to the captain, Simon Kier, my goodness, what he did, unbelievable. You got to give him props. He essentially, because he acted so quick, he saved his life. Um, but of course, it was a team effort in, in saving Christian Eriksen's life. Um, and you again, you said it best. That's what a captain should be. But we also have to mention mention Casper Schmeichel, because Casper Schmeichel, without being the actual captain, he showed what leadership should be as well, along with his captain Simon Kier. He he kind of tried to keep cool. He went over to Christian Eriksen's partner, talked to her a little bit, and maybe made the situation feel a little bit better. Probably told her, "Hey, he's breathing again. He's okay. He's conscious again." 
But Casper Schmeichel, another great example. And I was listening to the BBC podcast, uh, the, the Daily Euro podcast, and they were talking about how Casper Schmeichel has had to live a good amount of traumatic experiences in his career. And by good amount, I think two was like too, too many. This one, and then when the owner of the club that he plays for died in a helicopter crash. At, a few, at the stadium. At the stadium. At the stadium. So this guy, has he's had to muster up the courage so many times to go out there and play a game that maybe he didn't want to play. And that's something that that I want to I want to ask you about. I, I want to get your thoughts. You did tell me a little bit about how how you felt about the coverage of of the actual game. It would have been easier for for ESPN or wherever you were watching the game to cut back to studio. But I'm sure they were just in shock as much as we were. Of course, can you blame them? Yes, of course you can, but I mean, when things like that happen, it's crazy. It's it's so much going on. But yes, they they should have definitely cut back to studio. But let me ask you this, Chris: Do you think this game should have been played the way that it was? Because they they obviously suspended it after uh, Christian Eriksen was was taken away and he was he he was uh, going to the hospital. But then they came back a few hours later and they finished off the game. Do you think that was the right call? Or should they have waited until Sunday? Or maybe just canceled it completely? Uh, I think it should have been canceled and, and replayed at the, at the essentially today. It, it, today's, it's today's Tuesday the 15th, so I think mm-hmm. today's the last day of match day one. It should yeah. have been played probably today or tomorrow and given the, give the players enough time to, to process what happened given their teammate nearly died on the field. Yeah. Um, you can see other players from different teams affected that weren't even there. So the guys who were there, I mean, don't get me wrong. They said Christian Eriksen told them to play, asked them to play, and he said he was to, to, to please play in his honor. But of course he's going to say that. What else is he going to say? Don't don't play, guys. I'm 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 in the <laughs> hospital. No, he's yeah. going to say go out and play. He doesn't yeah, want of course. he doesn't want it to be about him. Of but course. I I I think they should have looked out for the team and just. There was no way those guys are going to play 90 minutes and, and be concentrated and on, a, on a football match. No. No, no way. No. So, um, yeah, I think it definitely should have been postponed to today. I mean, we can always talk about the players and the way that they looked when they were warming up to restart the game. Some of them were still crying. They It, it, was, it was just so surreal to see... To see these players have to almost brush off what happened, have to have to brush off the fact that their teammate, their friend, very nearly passed away right in front of their eyes. So, yeah, I, I actually didn't really think about about it the way that that you presented it right now, that they could have played it today, essentially. Full disclosure, again, we're recording on Tuesday the 15th. And what's crazy, Chris, I'm pretty sure you know this, and if you don't, you're welcome. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there's certain protocols because of COVID-19 that games can be postponed. But what, does that only apply for COVID-19? Or can it apply for this type of stuff too? That, uh, sure, this happens rarely. But there has to be something in order for these games to be played at a different time. Because two hours isn't enough 
to brush this off. A day isn't enough. Two days aren't enough. And and they they made them play, but essentially they they gave them two options. UEFA did at least. They said you either play today or you play on Sunday, which was when they said tomorrow, which was Sunday. So they didn't really have much of an option. You you might as well just get it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. I, I, like I said, I wish they would have looked out for the players more, but they got to take it on the chin. They got to go 0-1. Yeah, and who knows? This might really, really spark a run for, for Denmark now that they know that Christian Eriksen is okay. I'm going to read his message in, in, a, in a bit because he just wrote something on, on Instagram today. Um, but who knows? Maybe this sparks a run for Denmark and they do it for Christian Eriksen. How many times have we seen teams rally around one player that was hurt or that something personal happened to them? They rally around that person and they end up doing something that maybe the general public didn't think was very possible. It happens quite often. Yeah. Yeah. I, you have to think they're going to play in his honor. You don't know if he's ever going to play again. It's like, yeah, it's all up in the air right now. So it's like, Man, you got if you didn't if you weren't up for a euro, that <laughs> they're the Denmark's gonna be up for it now. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely will. They they will definitely be up for for playing these next few games. Um, now I'm gonna read what Christian Eriksen said, and the people that know him say that this is essentially who he is. Uh, this is what Christian Eriksen said. He said, hello, everyone. Big thanks for your sweet and amazing greetings and messages from all around the world. It means a lot to me and my family. I'm fine under the circumstances. I still have to go through some examinations at the hospital, but I feel okay. Now I will cheer on the boys on the Denmark team in the next matches. Play for all of Denmark. Best Christian. Um, this This does pretty much show who Christian Eriksen is. He just said, yeah, I'm good. But come on, Denmark. Let's win this shit. Let's win this. And um, good for him. Good. It's it's great that Christian Eriksen is doing okay. But what scares me is that he didn't really show any symptoms. There's no history in his family. Who knows where this came from? That is so scary to me. Yeah, you have to think. Uh, he's a he's a soccer player, so they run all day and night. They got <laughs> iron lungs, these guys. Yeah, and he's not just a soccer player; he's like a superstar. He's Christian Eriksen. I mean, everybody knows who he is. Serie A winner. Yeah, he was just playing in Tottenham in their golden era, and mm-hmm. he, he's a he's a world class player. So he's the cream of the crop, and these guys are monitored. They, I mean, all the time. Like every every training session, they got their their breathing, their their heart rate, their how they how they sleep, how they everything. It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, and if, if if it could happen to someone like that, it it could happen to any one of us. You know, it's just so scary. You got to take life. Uh, can't take life for granted. That's so true. That that's so true, and it sucks that we need these types of examples to realize that life is so precious. Um, and, and the good thing for Christian Eriksen is that he's he's alive, he's okay. Uh, we still don't don't know, like you said, we still don't know if he is going to play again or not. Uh, but he's okay. His family's okay now. Uh, surely they were very scared at the time. We we saw, unfortunately, we saw his wife 
in an incredible stress we probably shouldn't have seen that or not probably we shouldn't have seen that because that's a very private moment i think that was worse than yeah. showing what was going on and like the players shielding christian erickson showing his partner was way worse that that is something that someone has to be fired for that um but it it really did show us it showed us that that, that christian erickson Oh, sorry. It showed us that that life is precious, and Christian Eriksen. I mean, sadly, he had to be the example, but he's okay. He's fine now, um, man. But how how do we prevent these things? How is it even possible to prevent it? I mean, we we've seen many cases, and and there's been people that 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 have shown symptoms, and people that do have that type of history in their families. But what do we do? You know. The where I what what I'm thinking is like last year or not even last year a few months ago they just passed um, I think it was UEFA or FIFA one of them announced uh, a new tournament it's like a new I don't want to say a European tournament but it's just like another cup and I, I can't remember who it was I don't know if it was Tony Cruz or someone from the Italian well someone from the Italian league but they were saying like how are we gonna play uh, 180 matches in 365 days. That's two days for every game. If you're at one of these top clubs, it's like there's there's no way you have enough time to re recover the the, the body. Yeah, and it's it's something that we were talking about in another in another segment where like these guys don't want to be backups anywhere. These guys want to be stars and play every game, and that's where we have to like. They, these, they, they don't play two, two, three matches in a row and there's this gossip of where, mm -hmm. where are these guys going? And it's like, man, back when we were growing up, all the, these clubs were deep, 20-player 20, 20 squads because they play so much games. So I think if we're going to start any, somewhere, it's, let's tone it down. Like, we don't need – we literally just had the Champions League final, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago? Yeah. And we're already starting a, a, a new tournament. It's like, Give these guys a break, man. We don't need soccer every, I mean, football every day and night. Like, give give these guys a break. And yeah. it's tough. It's tough. I get it. Like, there's so much spot, corporate sponsorship tied in, but things like this are just going to keep happening. Like, these, these guys can't hold up, man. Even if they're the cream of the crop, like I said earlier, there's no way the human body can play these many games. It's impossible, man. It's impossible, and the intensity that's required to play these games at such a high level, that, that of course, gets you more exhausted. But, man, um, best of luck to Christian Eriksen in his recovery. Our, our best wishes to him and his family, of course. And the good thing is that it was just... Uh, it. He's still with us. That's the that's the best thing that that we could have that we could have asked for. I remember when I saw on Twitter the picture of him with his head up, uh, and holding on, uh, holding on to his oxygen mask. I'm like, okay, he's fine. He's okay. That's good. That's that's always good news. Um, all right, let's move on now to Patrick Sheik. Let's talk about about something a little a little happier. Oh my goodness, what a way for us to start the week! What a finish! I was watching this game before I went to work. I just sat around for like five minutes, and I'm like, let me see a little bit of this game because I was listening to it. I wasn't watching it. And I heard a lot 
from the commentators, it sounded like it was a very entertaining game. And it also sounded like Scotland was the one that was initiating a lot of these attacks. They ended up losing 2 nothing. But then, whatever, at the end of the first half, Patrick Schick scores a goal. And then early in the second half, this this goal, I mean, from a, from a blocked shot, he just dribbles. or Well, he doesn't even dribble. He just follows the ball, lets it cross the midfield. And then he has one with his left foot. How do you even think about that? I'm, I'm glad he executed it the way that he did. But how do you even think of something like that? And it was just perfectly executed by Patrick Schick. What a goal. If you haven't watched it, go on YouTube and watch it. Because that's the goal of the tournament, of the year, of the decade, of the century. I mean, it's just incredible. It was, it was sick. If there's a there's an angle that's going around on Twitter where you see the the, the picture from behind mm-hmm. the way he struck it, that goal that ball was like nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near that 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 goalpost. And to say that that was on on target and not not even just like on goal, but a, a goal, dude, it's ridiculous. That was insanity, insanity. And Patrick Schick is a—I uh, think he's at Red Bull Leipzig. Yeah, yeah, he's been—he's been coming on. He was a big uh, prospect in Italy, and then went mm-hmm. to uh, went to Frankfurt, bossed it out there on loan, and then um, had the transfer to Leipzig last last summer. And uh, yeah, he looks—he keeps playing like that. He's gonna get another another move soon. Because yeah, he had a really good game. It wasn't just like he scored that goal and he went missing he scored a goal in the first half too and he was playing really well he played really well but that this was just the cherry on top of the cake my goodness what what a finish but i'll tell you this chris maybe you're not gonna believe me maybe no one listening is going to believe me but as soon as i saw that the counter was on i kind of saw the way that he was angling his body and i'm like there's no way this guy's gonna dribble he's gonna have one from there but I'm yeah. like, ah, it's gonna end. It, it's it's gonna be yards off. He's not. He's not even gonna be close to to scoring a goal. Lo and behold, he scores one of the greatest goals in European Championship history. I mean, you also have to add context to this because you are playing against Scotland in Glasgow. This is Scotland's first major tournament game in over 20 years. I believe that the last time that they played a major tournament was France 98, the World Cup. You're down, well, you're up 1-0 at the beginning of the second half. You're being attacked by Scotland, who is playing very well. They, it, it feels like they're about to score the equalizer. And you just do this? That's so incredibly cold-blooded from a player who, like you said... He's been doing very well at Leipzig. And now this can earn him an even bigger transfer, just like you said. But it was, it, it to me, it's the context. Like, you did this in a European championship. You didn't do this in a, in a friendly. You, did, you didn't do this in a match day four against, uh, I don't know, against some, against Hertha Berlin. You did this in a European championship. And that, to me, holds a lot of value. I, I, I'm i still in shock. It's been over. It, it's been almost 72 hours since this goal was scored. And I'm still like, oh, my God. 
I can't believe it. I've watched it, no lie, Chris. I think I've watched it like 20 times. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. I, I just love that goal, man. It was so beautiful. Yeah, it was, that was a thing of beauty. A thing of beauty. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think there's going to be a better goal than this one? In the tournament? I don't know. I don't know, simply because that goal was so, like, it has so much context, like you said, and it was from so deep, and he's, and he's like, he hit it so nasty. <laughs> Dude, I don't know, but he get, he could, I mean, there could be one later on, maybe in the, in the finals, who knows, yeah. that with even greater importance, but, uh, I mean, that thing was vicious. I do want to clarify, though, he, he plays for, um, he, he was at Leipzig on loan last year, he went to uh, Frankfurt. No, not Frankfurt. Hold on. Yeah, Bayern Leverkusen. He was Kai Havertz's replacement. At Kai, at Bayern oh, Leverkusen. yes. Yes, you're right. You're right. Yes. But he's playing well there, too. Like, he's he's the main star there at, at Leverkusen. And he's he's been playing decent in the Bundesliga for the last two years. So, he's a, he's a nice, bright player. And he's playing well in the Euros. So, up and, up and, up and onwards. Yeah. Well, there you go. He's killing it in the Bundesliga and with his national team, the Czech Republic. 54 yards out, by the way. That's the the distance that the ball had to had to go through in order for it to hit the back of the net. 54 yards. There are quarterbacks that can't complete a 54-yard pass with their hand. This guy scored a 54-yard banger with his left foot. That is unbelievable. Um, all right, let's move on now to... Something that we something that we watched, something that stood out from match day one of Euro 2020. I want to start off with you, Chris. What is something that has stood out to you or something that, that you watched and that really interested you in this first round of games? There were there were a few storylines that stood out to me. I'm not gonna lie to you, but the main one that stuck to me was from the first opening match, which was Italy looking as sharp and as tough as they did. Italy has a nice, uh, soft uh, a group that they're in. Yep. They just played a very decent Turkey team that a lot of people picked a surprise this year, including Alex. But don't worry. <laughs> I mean, they, they still, I mean, they have a decent team. I still think yeah. they're gonna be fine. They they did also open up against the best team in that group. So yeah, yeah, they're still, and, and yeah. Italy looks so so good, man. They look yeah. tough as nails. Yeah, and that midfield. We were talking about that midfield earlier, and Roberto Mancini. What the, the pedigree that he brings to that yeah. team? Mm-hmm. Italy just looked really well suited for a deep run in this in this tournament. They look really uh, built for this. Uh, the, that defense, that midfield, they're going to control possession. And if they don't have possession, they're going to just make like hell on the defensive end. You, nobody, I guarantee you, nobody wants to see it. If they're if if this this is the thing, I took France to win it all. If if there's a team that's going to be a France, a, a Portugal, a Belgium, a, a star-studded offensive team, it's going to be a Italy. It's going to be a team that controls possession in midfield and doesn't worry when, it, when it, their defense is in question. We saw it right now in, in, in the European Championships, in the Champions League with, with Chelsea, how they control it. It's, it's going to be a very similar script for Italy. I think they're going to be very tough to beat. And it's not necessarily who always... Could, could put it up the most numbers on the board. It's essentially who could who could muster out some wins when they need to. So I think they're going to be very well positioned for a deep run. Defense wins championships. Defense yeah. definitely wins championships. And 
This Italian team, man, they not only are they good defensively, like you said, but they're entertaining to watch. The way that they were pressing Turkey on the ball and even even the amount of attacks that they had, they forced the Turkish defensive line into so many mistakes, so much so that they forced an own goal to open up the Euro. Um, and this Italian team, they're a pest. They they really are a pest, and and you have to be prepared to see them go on a on a deep run because next up I don't know who they have next up, but they do play tomorrow, which which would right be now. Wednesday. When when who do they play against? I can tell you right now. Oh, they play against Switzerland. The yeah, they play against Switzerland, a team that had to share points with Wales, and then they they Italy closes off against against Wales. Wales. So. Yeah. And Italy's also going to play every single one of their uh, group matches in Rome. Wow. Yeah. So when you look at this and you just see the the way that the Italian team looked in front of a home crowd with an actual crowd, the way that they were singing the anthem and the way that they're playing, dude, I couldn't agree with you more. This team is just, they're going to be very difficult to beat. Um but yeah this, this italian team it, it would be very nice it would be very nice to see them go on a run a little a little vintage vibes for for italy um is there anything else you want to add about the italians uh man just that we, i can't wait to see them play again they they yeah. just like you said they're fun to watch they they're a classic italian team defending and then on the ball they're all technical and 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 just a pleasure to watch, like Barella, Jorginho, Locatelli, uh, Insahi. I mean, Insahi, sorry, that's like 30 years ago. Uh, who, who's Immobile. The Immobile. But Immobile. Who's, who's, yeah. who's, a, who's a Napoli player that's... Is in it, is, Lorenzo Insigne. Yeah. little shorty, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. Bro, they have, they have so much quality yeah. and technical ability on the ball. So, yeah, they're just a pleasure to watch. 100% agreed with you. Um, all right. Something, well, I, I, I kept up with a, a decent amount. I'll be honest, I didn't watch all of the games, but I caught a little bit of England. Um, I thought the Ukraine was a pleasant surprise. Yarmolenko scored a banger as well. Um, I, I think it was Yarmolenko. I hope it was Yarmolenko. Uh, also, North Macedonia, they scored their first ever goal in a Euro. And it was Goran Pandev who had a receding hairline when he won the treble with Inter back in 2010. I mean, that is insane. But I also saw Hungary and and the way that they played against Portugal. They deserved a little more. But this also showed me that Portugal knows how to suffer and they know how to struggle. And you're going to have to struggle against France, even against Germany or against Belgium, or England, or Italy. You're going to have to struggle against those teams, and Portugal is ready to do that. But to me, the biggest thing that, that or the biggest takeaway that I have from match day one, France is the favorite to win this tournament, and it's not even close, actually, because I don't, I don't, think, I don't think it's even right to pick anyone else to win this tournament other than France. They have the depth that that depth that this French team has. They can have a 40-man roster and there will be no quality dropped. 
maybe a little bit on some edges, but this team is just so deep. This country is rich in footballers, and and you show it. And and sorry, they show it. We see it every single time that that they go into a major tournament. They've always had a rich history, but right now, the way that they build up their players and the amount of players that they have, amount the amount of quality players, it's it's just incredible. And then you add Kareem Benzema into the mix, who had a goal disallowed. I mean, my goodness! Well, like it's it's unfair. It really is unfair. We have Kylian Mbappe's speed. It, it's game breaking. Uh, of course, you also have the tricky movements from Karim Benzema, from Antoine Griezmann, being selfless. And even though that they're goal scorers, they still provide a lot on the attack and they facilitate for other players to score. But something that I really like about this team is, is their coach, Didier Deschamps. He doesn't overcomplicate things. He is, I, I feel like this is a French thing because Zinedine Zidane, we, when we did the first episode of, of this show, as we know it, we talked about Zinedine Zidane and how he doesn't overcomplicate things. Deschamps doesn't overcomplicate things either. He knows that he has all the talent in the world and he keeps it simple for his incredibly talented players. And then I, I think that the only coaching that Deschamps does is the mental side. He kind of motivates these players to keep on going, hey, you guys are the best in the world and there's no one even remotely close to you. So let's just keep on playing like that. And he keeps them motivated like that. And that's huge credit to Didier Deschamps. But I do feel like every great great empire, this French team, if it ever implodes, it'll be from within. And we already got some glimpses between Kylian Mbappe, Olivier Giroud. There was a little rift right there. But I don't know why I even got cute last week. France is going to win this Euro. Um... Or that's what it looks like. They should be the favorites. Um, even though England got a victory this past Sunday, they struggled, but they did it. They they got that that pressure off their shoulders. But still, France. It's it's the safest pick. It's the most boring pick, but it's the safest. Let's not get cute. This team, the best in the tournament. I don't know how FIFA doesn't have them ranked number one. I don't know why they have Belgium ranked as number one, when France is clearly the best team in Europe and in the world yeah yeah they they're humming right now and there's someone who's making it hum real well uh freaking paul pogba mm -hmm. this guy is playing out of his socks man that's yeah. the player united thought they bought that they they, <laughs> they can't bring it out of him they can't bring and they they don't know why but i, I think it's obvious we know why and it's because he's playing next to ngolo kante Mm -hmm. so these guys, when they these, they probably are one A and one B, the best midfielders in the world, in the same midfield in the national team, but probably the best two midfielders in the world talent wise. And Pogba can't show that for clubs, and it's because they can't, they can, they don't surround him with the right pieces like they do in France, and they overcomplicate things like they, like you said, that the shops keeps it real simple. He knows his task. He knows if you if Golo sits. You go, you sit, and Golo goes. Simple. When he plays in a three in, in United and he has to cover for Bruno, he has no idea what he's doing. And it's 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 a shame because I really want to see – he's a talent, man. You see him balling out for France. And he balled out in the World Cup too. And Mourinho was the coach of United at the time, and he had a really tough relationship with Pogba. 
but he said it. I think he, he really broke down his psychology really well in which he says the national team is like tailor-made for this player. He goes away and it's like being in a fort. He's, he's not surrounded with all these distractions regarding the style, his hair, his commercials, all these the money that was paid. Yeah, all the distractions that he's surrounded with at, at the club, all gone at, at France. And he's surrounded by players that he sees as equals. Nobody had that he, he feels that he has to check. I mean, it's, it's, per, it's a perfect analysis. And it's crazy that Mourinho couldn't bring it out of him. But, man, it's just – France is just a, a well-oiled machine. They got everybody playing well. Benzema fitted in seamlessly. He had a goal disallowed today against Germany, but that, oh, that was ruled offside. But, mm-hmm. man, they look so good. They look just so, so good. And we also have to mention that Germany didn't look so good. So it looks I like I was gonna ask you, do you think yeah. Hungary makes it out of this group? Because we were saying Germany probably makes it out as the third seed. They look they look like crap today. Yeah. Yeah. And Hungary oh. Hungary put Portugal to the sword. Uh, oh yeah. Oh that that goal, I don't even know the player's name, but that, that goal that was disallowed. What a what a goal. What a go- like! Why do you even disallow that? Well, of course, you, you have to. But that was such a good goal. And yeah, you're right. This makes you wonder. Hmm. Maybe Germany's gonna finish bottom of the group. Maybe they're gonna miss out on direct elimination for a second consecutive major tournament. Who knows, man? I feel like this this German team is just on the decline. And what's crazy about them is that they have the talent. Look at their front three against France. Serge Gnabry, Kai Havertz, Thomas Müller. And then you bring in Timo Werner. I mean, that is a ridiculous team. And then you look at the back line. Manuel Neuer, Mats Hummels, Antonio Rudiger. Uh, who else was playing? I think it was Matthias Ginter, if I'm not mistaken. That's a solid team. And then in the midfield, Tony Kroos, uh, Joshua Kimmich. Uh, who else did you have? Uh, Goretzka, if I'm not mistaken. No, it was Gundogan. Ilkay Gundogan. That's a really, really solid midfield as well. But they just don't seem to mesh anymore. And and I do feel like it's probably because of the manager. They're probably tired of him. But let's be honest. I mean, what what he did with this German side, it's been incredible. And, And surely I will not be surprised at all. If as soon as Hansi Flick takes over this German national team, they become the machine that we've known them to be for years and years and years. This is just a little rough patch. I think Joachim Love is he's on his way out and the players have also checked out. And whenever he says anything, they just completely, completely ignore it. But who knows, man? Who knows? This German side isn't looking good and... Man, if it, we we've seen them lose to South Korea and to Mexico in the World Cup, so what makes you think that they won't lose to a team like Hungary? They won't lose to a Portuguese side. It's very, very, very possible. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right about the manager too. He's been there at, for 15 years, very successful, but yeah, it's almost like. Uh, at Chelsea, and I'm sorry to bring it all back to the club, but this is all I know. They they have a new manager every year or every two years, and they, they everybody questions it. 
but they always go on this run and it's after a while hearing the same the same message over and over it, it stops clicking you see it all, i mean you see it all over sports but yeah i thought i taught them with pochettino but they've since regressed but it's just at a certain point you you cap out. He's I, and I, I I'm curious to see where he goes next. But um, yeah, they definitely. I think what you were right. Once Hansi gets in there, it's gonna be back to back to Soren Heights again. Oh yeah, because the talent is there. The, it, it's it's not like this is a a bad generation of footballers for Germany. This is a really good generation of of players, and they just keep on producing talented players. And, and it's just a batch of a golden generation every single time. And you just look at them and you're like, man, why can my country be like that? But that's a different story. Um, all right. Really quick before we go, what is something that you are looking out for for the second round of games match day two? We what we were just discussing Hungary versus I don't know. Are they are they is that match day two? I, what I'm looking out for, honestly, yeah. is when Hungary play Germany, because that's going to determine everything in that in that, in that group. Mm, let me see. Let me see here really quick. Uh, I think Hungary's next game is on Saturday. I know that. But if I remember how to use this damn iPad, apparently I lived in 1950. Don't know how to use technology. Give me a second here. Portugal, Germany is on Saturday. So we will see Hungary against Germany on Wednesday. So a week from this Wednesday, we will see that. So I would probably say Portugal, Germany. I'll see oh, how, yeah. if Germany could, could hold up. If they could hold up. Because they're going to have to sneak some points somehow, man. Yeah. Germany's going to have to come away with something on this one. If they, if they think that they could just beat Hungary and make it through, I think Hungary is really going to make it a problem for them. As they did to Portugal, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, and Portugal is they're very they're a very very well run team, and they're probably going to to escape the group. Maybe I would say maybe even in first place. Who knows? And here I go talking about France not finishing first one. I just made a whole <laughs> segment. I had a whole rant about France and and us not getting cute with with not picking France. Um, Honestly, I'm I'm looking at something here that has caught my attention. I want to see how Spain does because they drew nil-nil against Sweden in the opener and they play against Poland, a team that is very bland. Spain has to win this game. Spain really has to win this game because Sweden is uh they're a dangerous team they're boring as hell but they're a dangerous team and they on and on friday sweden plays against slovakia so imagine if sweden gets three points and then slovakia has three points sweden has three points spain has to get three points as well to make it into match day three with with some sort of hope so i i i want to look at spain i want to see spain but i'm just afraid that a team that has Alvaro Morata as their biggest goal-scoring reference, it, I mean, you, you're really setting yourself up for failure at that point, yeah. right? You've seen him at your club, and you saw how, how they looked when Alvaro Morata was the point of reference. This Spanish team, you probably just pull the trigger, and you, um, and you play Gerard Moreno, or you just play a false nine somewhere in there, 
But Alvaro Morata can't be your your solution. There, there's no way. So I, I really want to see how they line up on Saturday, what result they get on Saturday, and more importantly, how they will get out of this group because it's a tricky one. To me, it's a tricky group. Yeah, I think those are all valid points. Alvaro Morata is just not the one, man. He's not. <laughs> yeah. he's, he lives offside. He lives offside. He's just not. He's not a consistent goal getter that is going to get you that that decisive goal when you need it. And if that's what you're relying on to carry you through this test tournament, like you said, it's not going to go well. They they probably faced their weakest opponent of the of the group uh, in match day one, and they drew. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see if Spain can make it out because, man, they, for, they went from David Villa and Fernando Torres to and the David and Diego Costa to offsides Morata. <laughs> Poor guy. Poor Morata. But there's plenty of good games to watch for this match day number two. All right, that'll do it from us. Chris... Plug away your social media. The floor is yours. Where can they find you so they can talk some more Euros? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Chris, S-O-L-O-D-O-L-O underscore. There you go. That's on Twitter, correct? Correct. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Alex Perez FC. Follow the show on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook at Total Foot Club. Subscribe to the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and leave a review on, on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, however, however you may know it. Leave a review. That will take us a long, long way. You will hear from us again in a few days when match day two is done. But for now, enjoy the games. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Goodbye.